Hey guys, do you enjoy coffee just as much as I do? Check out Bones Coffee Company. They believe that coffee is not just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It should be an experience. That's why they take the time to carefully select each bean and roast it in small batches to perfection and deliver it straight to your door. Check out some of their new arrival flavors, such as from dusk till donuts, jack the lantern Frankenbones, Caramel Apple, and Wonder Bones. So many flavors, possibilities are endless. Whether you like it ground, whole bean, or K-Cups, they got you covered. Choose up to five different flavors to create your very own sample pack. Click the link in the show notes below to get started today and receive 10% off your very first order with Bones Coffee Company. Now, on to the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and as always, welcome to the show, and thanks for listening. So, on today's show, not going to beat around the bush too much. Uh, Got a lot going on. Uh, It's been a busy weekend, and uh, it is the first really cool day here in South Carolina and uh, we are just two days away from the opening of fall. And uh, I really have enjoyed this weather. It's gotten a lot cooler. And uh, I look forward to many cooler nights. Can't wait. Uh, we actually just took a trip yesterday to uh, up to a place in North Carolina, Hendersonville, uh, known as Granddad's Apples and such. And uh, it was really, it was good. It was packed, of course, uh, you know. We all took all precautions to protect ourselves from COVID, and we did that, and we enjoyed it. Uh, we had, let's see, we had hot apple cider. We had some uh, hot, uh, let's see, we had some hot donuts, apple donuts. We had uh, apple slushies. Well, we even brought some things back along with us. We got some good uh, bagged apples and everything. We even let the kids pick some apples, and we really enjoyed that. That whole scenario it was great to get out with the family and uh, just kind of enjoy the day, and uh, that was the case. Uh, we did a little meandering around the area, and uh, we really enjoyed it. If the sound sounds different today, uh, maybe... You can tell you might get some outside noises almost, but uh, what's going on is actually I just moved the studio. I have moved the the Southern Spectre Studios. I have moved it to my shed, and so uh, it gives uh, kind of frees up some closet space because that's exactly where I was recording before. I was actually recording in the closet, and uh, although it did give a great sound, it was just getting too. It was a little bit overwhelming. Between me and the wife, and uh, just took up a lot of room, and so I said, you know what, it's time for me to move. So I had to move uh, everything, all the equipment, everything out here. So, but anyway, if you're out and about Hendersonville, North Carolina, go check them out. Uh, Granddad's apples and such. We had a really great time yesterday, and I'm sure you guys will too. And as a matter of fact, as while I was out there, pardon, I actually picked up, was able to pick up a few craft brews as well. Um, I am not going to be able to. Uh, 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 to review those on today's episode like I said I am pressed for time and I do apologize however um, I do believe what I am going to do because I enjoyed that bit that I did with the craft beer last week and uh, I really enjoyed that and 
So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to start up a YouTube channel and just base it solely on that. And so kind of just see how that does. And uh, so you guys can check us out between here and there. And, you know, I'll still be on here doing the shows and uh, recording episodes. So if you like the little craft beer bit, then, you know, you can go check our YouTube videos out. So that's what I'm going to end up starting to do is kind of record that on a separate basis that way you guys can see the cans and you can see the pour of it and all that good stuff so i think i'm gonna go with that and we'll see, just see how that goes you know it's just something to kick it off i enjoyed doing that and um we'll just see how it goes see how it plays out all right so moving forward with today's show no spooky news today but i do have a couple of user listener stories i'd like to share with you and um uh, i have one here uh, from miss elizabeth I'm not going to use anybody's last names. So uh, the first one goes, Miss Elizabeth says that she can feel almost like the essence of a spirit or a ghost, I assume, that when she touches certain things. So she says one day she was doing this and she happened to pick up a coin. And when she picked up the coin, she blacked out. And she says she remembers that she felt like she was being pulled. And then it was like she was in complete darkness. She said she describes the experience almost like an out-of-body experience. She says she could move and she could see her body, but nobody could see her. She started looking around and she started seeing these, uh, she says, different crazy shapes and figures. And she was really frightened and scared by all this. She says she almost got the sensation like she was going to die. She said shortly thereafter, she woke up in her friend's arms. She was screaming. They said that they could not find her pulse. Um, But after about five seconds, she said it came back. And that's when she woke up screaming. Um, She said it was really scary and a troublesome experience for her. Um, And... She said the thing that scared her the most were the figures that she could see. And I guess it was some kind of like a silhouette of somebody, you know, like a dark shape, almost like a shadow person of some kind that maybe she could see. But I want to thank Elizabeth for sharing that um, story with us. Um, I know it wasn't long, but hey, you know, quality, not quantity. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing that. And uh, also we have the next one we have here is from another listener, uh, Miss Emma. Emma, uh, she says she thinks she has a story, but she's she's afraid she might be imagining it. Well, you know, our mind has a, a tendency of playing tricks on us, you know, and that in itself can be quite frightening. Uh, she says usually around 12 uh, a.m. she can hear footsteps on a roof at night. Now, she says she only has a one-story house, so it's not like anyone's going upstairs. So, she usually can just ignore it. She says about 10 minutes later after she hears the footsteps, she hears her name being called, but not in a usual voice, not in someone's normal voice, but in some more like a scratchy voice. So, she says she's, she's just scared that maybe she's... Um, She's imagining this, so she ignores it. So anyway, around a half hour later, she hears shuffling in her closet. She ignores it. She said her room 
has the door to the attic inside. So I guess she has an attic space or an attic access in her room. So in the morning, that door was open. A few days later, she says a lot of her stuff went missing from her room. So she claims that maybe she's just a little bit paranoid. But like I said, truth is often stranger than fiction. And uh, truth can be quite scary. So thank you, Emma, for that. Thank you, Emma and Elizabeth, both for your stories. I know they were both short, but hey, like I said, I enjoyed them both. And I thank you for reaching out to me. So anyway, guys, uh, with our recent trip to North Carolina, it kind of got me thinking, you know, you know, we're neighboring states, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina, and I haven't really heard a whole lot of scary North Carolina stories. So, you know, I thought, you know, let me do some digging. So I actually came across, you know, a lot of scary stories that I was not aware of that had taken place in North Carolina. So, you know what? I figured, hey, why not give it a shot? So I found some spooky stories, uh, especially up around the area where we actually ventured to this weekend, um, which was over in the western uh, North Carolina area, Asheville, Hendersonville region. Um, even done some a little bit of digging for the mountains and things, so which is where we were at. So uh, I just decided, you know, I'm going to pick out a few of these stories. A lot of these stories are kind of short and to the point. So what I did, I actually picked out four of them to share with you guys. And so I hope that you guys enjoy them. I thought they were rather interesting. And uh, some of these places I actually ventured to and visited there myself before and never even knew about any of this stuff. So I thought they were fun. I thought they were interesting. And I'm so compelled by the stories from North Carolina that I'm thinking about doing a part two to this episode, but I haven't quite decided. So if you guys uh, enjoy this, you know, you want to reach out and let me know how you you know like if you enjoyed them or not just you can find me on facebook at facebook.com forward slash the southern specter podcast reach me on uh, instagram at the southern specter also be sure to check out the southern specter podcast.com and you can check out this podcast and you can also leave me a voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash southern specter so if you go check that out then uh I'll be able to get you a, get your message from you. So, but anyway, without further ado, we're gonna go ahead and get into the stories and uh, just check out the show notes below if you got anything about today's episode. All right, guys, thanks. Enjoy the show. Now it's time to pull up a chair, settle in, and cozy up for the Southern Spectre podcast. Enjoy. Located in Rutherford County in North Carolina stands a large granite outcropping known as Chimney Rock. The name of the village that sits down below the summit is taken from the rock itself. Chimney Rock can be seen for miles and near the start of the 19th century some strange and bizarre events had been witnessed near the summit. On July 31st, 1806, Elizabeth Reeves, only eight years old at the time, 
convinced her older brother, Morgan Reeves, that she had witnessed a man way up on top of the rock. Now, of course, today, Chimney Rock is a state park, but back then, people wouldn't have easy access to the summit as they do today. And of course, Morgan didn't believe his younger sibling until he had a look for himself. What he saw was not one man, but thousands of what looked like people flying above the rock. These flying people were described as being dressed in bright white. They looked to range from children to adults, human in shape, but with no distinguishing features about them, not even gender. There were six total witnesses to the event and are as follows. Elizabeth Reeves, Morgan Reeves, Polly Reeves, the youngest sibling, their mother, Patsy Reeves, and two neighbors, Robert Searcy and an unnamed neighbor. All six watched close to an hour as these bizarre events unfolded. Soon, three members of the crowd upon the rock seemed to fly higher than the others, and then the entire crowd ascended into the heavens. Then again in 1811, a new sighting occurred. Two different armies were in what appeared to be an in-flight battle straddling on winged horses. Several nights that summer, a mess of eyewitnesses in complete different locations saw two distinct armies flying on what appeared to be winged horses and circling one another. On the last night of this occurrence, the two armies finally clashed in battle high above Chimney Rock. Witnesses say the angelic warriors were brandishing swords and the clashing of metal along with fallen soldier groans could be heard off in the distance. This went on about 10 minutes that night until the defeated party retreated and the victor vanished into darkness. Speculators of that time seemed to think it was the ghost of the not-so-distant Revolutionary War. So what did the residents of Chimney Rock witness that summer almost two centuries ago? If you'd like to go visit the park yourself, it's definitely a must-do if you're in the area. The views are amazing, and it's a photographer's dreamscape. If you want to experience something frightening while you're there, just wait till the elevator goes down. Not far from Chimney Rock lies the city of Asheville, and we come to a hotel amongst hotels, North Carolina's Omni Grove Park Inn, which was once known as Grove Park Inn. In operation over a century, the inn knows southern hospitality and sits among the beauty of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Enjoy a round of golf, a day at the spa, or eat at one of their four locally sourced restaurants. The hotel was first opened in 1913 and was built by Edwin Wiley Grove. Grove made a fortune selling his malaria prevention, Grove's Tasteless Chill Tonic, throughout the region. Per his doctor's advice, Grove traveled to Asheville and enjoyed the area so much he decided to stick around. Grove saw the potential business opportunity and along with his son-in-law, Thomas Seeley, they began to construct the Grove Park Inn. The inn quickly gained popularity and rivaled even the finest of hotels of the time. With its charm, comfort, and elegance, it has lured the likes of Harry Houdini, F. Scott Fitzgerald, 
and former President Obama. The Grove Park Inn was so inviting to guests, some guests didn't want to leave, and it seems this may have been the case for one guest. The spirit of a young lady has been seen, felt, and heard over the years at the Omni Grove Park Inn, usually seen in the pink mist or a full apparition of a young lady donned in a pink gown she suspected to be the victim of a terrible accident that occurred sometime during the 1920s when a young woman fell from a balcony off the fifth floor. Some say she was to meet her married lover, and when he ended the relationship, she threw herself over the side, while others suggest she was a southern debutante who slipped and fell to her death. However she came to be, she's loved among the faculty, staff, and even guests, and has a fondness towards children, often seen at children's bedsides when a child is taken sick during their stay, talking to them in soft whispers and comforting them with a gentle stroke of their hands. A most famous incident occurred when a doctor and his family stayed at the inn, and upon checkout, he left a note with the staff, instructing them to thank the lady in the pink gown after his children explained just how much they loved playing with her during their visit. Although kind in nature, she's apparently a bit of a prankster, as she's been known to turn on and off lights, air conditioners, and other electrical devices. Along with rearranging guest items in their rooms, she's also been known to tickle the guest's feet as they sleep. The phantom seems to be drawn, almost attached, to room 545, which is where the young lady had fallen to her death. Over the years, faculty and staff have grown to love her and treat her as another part of the old hotel itself. Throughout the Blue Ridge Mountains, bizarre occurrences seem to happen, especially during the night. Blood-curdling howls and echoes can be heard resonating through the hills and valleys. Somewhere out there, something stirs. Farm animals vanish during the night. Items surrounding homes, such as clothes on the line, farm equipment, buckets, etc., that have been left in the yard overnight are plowed through or completely obliterated. Folks from around these parts know what's to blame. Unusual happenings are often contributed to what is known as the Wampus Cat. Legend says that the Wampus Cat used to be a gorgeous Cherokee woman. Her husband was a hunter for their village and would often go out with the other men from the village to hunt for food. At the beginning of each hunting trip, all the hunters would gather in the forest along with some chief elders and magic men and begin a ritual to cleanse them of the lives of the animals they would take during the trip. This ritual also gave them the uncanny ability to seek out animals for the hunt and due to tradition, no women were allowed at the ritual. The Cherokee woman would beg and plead her husband to inform her of the secrets of the ritual, but time after time, he refused. Finally, curiosity got the better of her, and one night, she shrouded herself with the hide of a cougar 
and silently made her way into the forest. She soon came upon a clearing, and it was there she found the hunters gathered. Watching from the edge of the woods, she marveled at what she saw, but she wanted to get closer. Silently creeping ever closer to the crowd of men to gaze upon this magic that she had never witnessed. Before too long, she was found out, and the elders of the tribe seized her and drew her closer into the circle. The tribe elders and magic men used their powers on her, and the cougar hide she was cloaked in soon became that of her own skin. She had become part cougar, part human, and all wild. Her tribe cursed her to leave the village and live in the woods, and she was abandoned by her own people. So now, legend says she roams the surrounding mountains throughout the Appalachia traveling through the woods, hills, and valleys, ever to roam alone for all of eternity. Some believe the path of destruction she leaves in her wake is a rebellious act against her ancestors for the curse they bestowed upon her. Others believe she'll always be out and about lurching around the homes of men, knowing she'll never be a part of their lives again. So if you happen to stay in the area and wait to see things thrown about in the yard or destroyed, you know you were paid a visit from the Wampus Cat. Now sometime during the late 19th century, Alex White lived with his farming family down in Polk County near the North Carolina-South Carolina border in the southwest corner of North Carolina. It was during this time that their family encountered some sort of unknown, strange, and weird creature near their farm. Mr. White referred to this creature that made its way about their farm as the Wangdoodle. Mr. White recalls he had first heard the Wangdoodle tale when he was just a youngin in his family's home. He recalls that his mother was using a red-hot needle to remove the cores of fig stems to create pipe stems. He remembers being enthralled with the process she used. She would allow the hearth's fire to set the needle to red hot and poke the fig stem, burning the middle. His father, on looking as well, said that the hot needle reminded him of the wangdoodle's tongue. Mr. White's mother chastised his father for filling the children's head with such nonsense. His father continued with the following song, Wang Doodle Holler and Wang Doodle Squall. Look out, chillin', do we get you all? Shortly after they sent their children to bed, it was here in where Alex and his brother Jim took to sleeping, and also where their mother strung up peppers from the ceiling to dry them out. The peppers cast claw-like shadows about the room with the help of light from a nearby window. Younger brother Jim soon confessed that he too had heard tale of the wangdoodle and proceeded to recite the next line in the song his father had begun. The wangdoodle moaneth and the doodle bug whineth. The boys lay awake in bed too terrified for slumber. Alex listened to the noises about the home, his parents snoring in slumber in the room next door, the dog scurrying beneath the house, sounds of the night out in the country, 
but soon Alex heard a sound he had never heard before. It came from way far off and sounded like that of a scream. After hearing that terrible scream, Alex knew he wouldn't be sleeping at all that night. He lay there, listening to the sounds of the night surround him, and soon his mind settled down again. But shortly after, he heard the scream once again. Only this time, it was so much closer to the house. Soon, the pig in the pen started to squeal and holler. His father jumped up, grabbed the shotgun. Quick, something's after the hog. His mother, she reached for the lantern. Before long, the entire family was outside to investigate. His mother leading the way with the lantern, illuminating the night. They searched around, looking for what was causing such a ruckus. And before long, the light of the lantern caught the reflection of two big eyes, glowing like balls of green fire. His father raised the shotgun and shot at whatever it was. Alex witnessed something jump high into the air and clear the fence of the pen. He described it as as long as a cow, as tall as a goat, with huge mule-like ears and covered all over its body with gray fur. In one large leap, it jumped and raced back into the woods. As it did, it let out another scream. His father hollered at him, God almighty boy, run for the house. Yonder goes the wang doodle. Alex had had enough. He raced back to his bedroom, only to find his younger brother Jim had already beaten him there. They jumped in bed and covered their heads. Nobody in the house slept a wink that night. Alex White says he never saw the wang doodle again. And all his life, He's been cautious about wandering too far into the woods. When someone brought up the wang doodle in general conversation, he had a tendency to walk the other way. But he never forgot that song. Wang doodle holler and wang doodle squall. Look out, chillin'. Do he get you all? Hey guys, that's gonna do it for today's show. I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, join me next time as we'll continue to explore North Carolina's legends and ghosts and tales and such. Um, until next time, I'll see you again. Remember to follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash the Southern Spectre podcast on Instagram at the Southern Spectre, anchor.fm forward slash Southern Spectre. Go check us out. I love you guys. Y'all stay safe. Be careful out there.